by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix. T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network. By College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. The ASU fans home away from home. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Voted Best of Las Vegas two years in a row. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Award-winning tequila since 2011. Whole beers and cheeseburgers. 12 Valley locations serving the finest in craft beers and handcrafted burgers. Behind the Mask. Serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products, gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Zach Bondurant. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the Southwest, around the United States, Canada, Europe, wherever you may be listening to us live on the Podbean app. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Zach Bondurant from beautiful Chandler, Arizona tonight. Folks, uh, the free agency period has continued. The signings have continued, and um, we're going to talk about it tonight, so... Zach, first of all, how are you? I'm good, hanging in there. The uh, the heat is is going away, so it's starting to get back to hiking season and being able to enjoy the outdoors. <laughs> Have you recovered from the big birthday party yesterday? <laughs> uh, I don't know about big birthday party. I'm pretty mellow. Um, I like to just chill. Uh, me and my girlfriend, we just kind of spent the day together, and um, it was fun. It was good just to kind of have a little bit of time to take a breath. Well, happy birthday, anyway. I, uh, Thank I you. put a bunch of stuff out there for you yesterday just to try to hype you up a little bit. So happy birthday Thank from you. all of us here. Um, okay, so let's jump right into this, Zach. Uh, we have a guest. We hope we're coming on tonight about uh, 15 minutes or so, and Charlie Watson. I was up in Prescott, as you probably know, on Friday night and uh, Saturday doing a Sunday special talking about the, uh, the uh, roller hockey uh, camp that was being put on by uh, Catfish uh, Atelier up there. It was the F2 Premier Hockey Camp, and Charlie came down as an old friend of Catfish and an old coach of the uh, Arizona Sundogs from the uh, CCHL days. So we had a really good time uh, talking hockey and all the different things, and he brought up the fact that he's now the GM of a new roller hockey league, the National Roller Hockey League, maybe? <laughs> yep. Yep. You're I'm, right. I'm shooting from the hip on that one again because uh, I couldn't remember correctly if I had the uh, letters correct. But yeah, so he's going to be coaching that. They were supposed to start this past uh, May. It didn't happen, obviously, because of COVID. So they're hoping for this May or June to at least start an abbreviated season. And a lot of fun talking about the similarities and, and differences of roller hockey. So. Uh, hopefully we'll have Charlie on. If we don't, you and I are going to talk uh, hockey because there is plenty of it going on. Definitely, yeah. There's It's starting to kind of close out the free agents and everybody is just kind of shoring up their rosters and adding the depth that they need and, and kind of some surprising signings. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, there's always something going on in the game of hockey, whether it's pro or college, minor, there's always something. 
Yeah, and Zach, you and I have talked about this in the past. I mean, this is obviously professional hockey we're talking about, but even right now, we don't know when the NHL is going to start up or what it's going to look like when it does start up. We think we do. A lot of people think they do, but we don't know for certain. But what we do know, Zach, is that the uh, the uh, club hockey teams in various parts of the country are playing games right now. I've seen Jamestown, Minot, some other places um, report scores over the last couple of weeks. We also know the uh, NAHL Junior League is starting up uh, very soon, if not already. And uh, the USHL is going to start up their games the first weekend in November. And we now know that the uh, NCAA season for most teams is going to start sometime between um, November 13th and November 20th. So uh, hockey slowly coming back. We got our fingers crossed that this COVID stuff does not come back as well. But it seems like everybody's got a plan on what to do. Yeah, I think um, I feel like most most organizations are starting to get the hint that, um, you know, we can go back. To, to playing hockey and allowing people to come in. Um, I mean, it's been proven with football. Um, I think the idea is um, spread people out. Um, I think most most scenarios are going to be fine. Mask up. If, you, if you're high, highly susceptible, take care of yourself. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think most, most organizations are starting to realize, like, hey, that we can come back. We can do this. Uh, safely and um, we can allow the game to, to go on and, and have people enjoy the game that they love. So um, I'm excited. I think the NHL set a really good blueprint for it. Um, some of the other leagues around the, around the world had a little bit of a rocky start, but um, it's a learning process and that's kind of the, the environment that we're in is we're just learning on how to, uh, how to work with what we have. So um, it'll be good when everything's kind of over uh, the beginning of November and we can start, uh, start getting back to uh, getting back to some hockey. Well, I think in the NHL's case, the thing that they're waiting on right now is they just really want to bring some fans back at some point. I think ownership realizes in any sport, uh, maybe more than hockey, they need the fans because uh, of the, the limit amount of revenue. I mean, they can't put 50,000 in a, in a football stadium like you can. You can only put, even if you filled it out, maybe fifteen to 17,000. So uh, if you're going to get revenue and stay viable as a business, you got to try to figure out a way to get some fans back in and move them around the seats or whatever you have to do. Uh, luxury boxes. Uh, I'm watching uh, the Cardinals and Cowboys tonight and seeing that the luxury boxes seem to be the place to put a lot of fans in, in, uh, Jerry world, if you will. Um, yeah. So who knows? I mean, there's all kinds of things they can play with, and I'm sure that's what's going on behind the scenes. And and uh, in the meantime, uh, guys are trying to find their way to a different teams. Uh, w- before we uh, – I don't have Charlie on yet, and I told him it would probably be about uh, maybe 15 minutes or so. So uh, maybe what we need to do is just jump in and start talking about the Arizona Coyotes. First of all, they signed uh, Christian Fisher today to a two-year deal, I believe. Uh, yes, I believe you are correct. Let me confirm. It is a two-year deal. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, um, somebody that they've shown, they've shown their hand and they're definitely, it looks like they're going to hold fast with the roster that they had, uh, for the most part from last year. Really the only big difference is the, uh, the third line or the fourth line. I'm sorry. They brought in basically all new guys. Um, so they're definitely, 
they're definitely taking a, an approach of the way I kind of blueprint blueprinted it of more of the Montreal Canadiens. They have good pieces, so maybe uh, Armstrong is thinking they just need to retool instead of rebuild, which is which is always a good sign. So, well, when you got solid goaltending, that's a good place to start. And you look yes. at the defensive uh, players that the Coyotes have, assuming that uh, Soderstrom. Uh, does make the transition from Sweden and, and fights for a spot and gets into the lineup. Uh, you got Oliver Ekman Larson. You got some pretty solid defensive players in Yalmerson, and uh, you can go down the list on that. So what they did, I think, on the uh, on the fourth line that you were mentioning is they just got younger, right? I mean, um, they they were they got rid of some of the older blood and they brought in some of the younger blood, and they're hoping that that kind of fills it out, but. I think the key to the Arizona Coyotes this year is going to be Clayton Keller, Phil Kessel, um, you know, guys like that that are going to have to step up and uh, really take dominating roles uh, on this roster. Yeah, I think Lawson Krause is somebody to include in there as well. Um, I'm a fan of Lawson Krause. I like the way he plays. Uh, he's a big body, 6'4", 220 pounds. That's a big moving offensive player. Um, he's really young. He's 23. Um, so I think, I think they're really trying to get this young core, uh, dialed in so that these kids can, can really make the jump, uh, when they start to add a few more pieces. Um, and honestly, the way free agency happened and a lot of the lack of trades this year, um, cause if you, I mean, to take a step back real quick, when you look at it, Arizona got caught up in, in a really bummer COVID situation. They had to move cap space. Teams weren't willing to eat it. Um, so they kind of got caught up in that that tornado. Um, but it may also play out for them in, in the long run favorably because teams didn't trade away players. Like how long have we heard about Patrick Line being on the blocks um, and they haven't moved him yet? Um, now, I don't know that that's necessarily salary related, but it does offer Arizona an opportunity later on down the road to maybe get some of those key pieces in. Um, and like you said, they may have to mortgage a little bit of the of the future on the defense that they have because that's 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 a lot of where their their um, their prospects lie is on the defensive side. So. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely going to be interesting. I'm really excited to see what Armstrong does um, now that he can have full control of the team, now that the draft is over. Um, and it's, like I said, it'll be very interesting to see how they do and where they, uh, where they, where they find their groove and where they end up at the end of the season next year because I think that's going to be really big to, to their future. Well, the plus part of that is they didn't have to really retool too much. I mean, they, they lost that, that fourth line that you were talking about with Brad Richardson and Soderstrom and guys like that. And then they lost Taylor Hall, and I think we all knew that Taylor Hall was probably a goner uh, once COVID hit. Um, there's just no way that they were going to be able to keep that. But the, the thing that I look at, Zach, and I, I kind of – got a little bug like you now i go to cap friendly all the time just to see what's going on <laughs> and i see that cap friendly it's addictive has, yeah <laughs> i know it is and, and they have the the coyotes with actually in tougher um 
cap problems than the Vegas Golden Knights right now. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights are 124000 over the cap, and, and they're assured that they're going to get under the cap, uh, obviously, before the start of the season. But the Coyotes are a little bit more over that cap. Have you looked yeah. at that very much? Yeah, and honestly, I like I try and do the math on it. Now, I don't have all the inner workings of how Vegas did their – how they structured their deals – but that day they signed Pietrangelo, I came up with a completely different number than the guest we had on that day. And it was last week, and I, I'm kicking myself because I can't remember his name, unfortunately, right now. But, but uh, oh, he Danny. Was, Danny. Yes, exactly. So, yes, Danny. Sorry, Danny. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, was, he was on the, the phone call with, um, with the GM for Vegas, and he said we're only, I think – I think he said like 125,000 over the right. cap. And and yeah. my number was like 900 something thousand. I was like, okay, where's, where is this coming from? So uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. You do kind of have to know and really dig in to find out where the structures are coming in. But yeah, if you look at it on cap friendly right now, Arizona is in the worst cap. They have the worst cap problems of any team. And there are five teams in the red and it goes, Coyotes, St. Louis, Vegas, Anaheim, and Washington. And of those of those five, you look at it, Anaheim and Arizona were in the bottom, were kind of in the basement last year. So that's not really that's that's not very encouraging when when you got that high of a payroll and you're not doing so well. So um, <laughs> well, I, I, Zach, for years we talked about the Coyotes having to get to the cap floor. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and taking on yeah. dead contracts just to get to the cap floor. So it's so unusual to see that. Um, and, and I just don't know how much that is of, uh, uh, you know, John Chaika's doing, I guess you'd have to put it on him because he was a GM at that point. But man, oh man, uh, it, it just seems strange that they would be in that kind of space, but they are. Yeah. And I mean, that's, he, you know, and it's one thing to kind of point fingers at a GM who's no longer there, but the fact of the matter is, is he was told that they want to be in the playoffs. So he did whatever he could to make that happen. So he made that trade for Phil Kessel. Um, he made the trade for Schmaltz. Um, you know, so he made those trades to take on those contracts and. Um, I mean, you give Clayton Keller, my gosh, he got, he got an insane deal. I'm looking it up right now. It's, uh, um, pardon, eight years, eight, I mean, eight year contract of 57.2 million. That's a big hunk for a 22 year old. Um, Phil Kessels is a 6.8 per year and that's up at 2022 and 23. So when you make those moves, it's to get better. Um, and I mean, they, they did, they, they were able to make it to the playoffs this year. Um, you know, you add a guy like Kemper, you add a guy like Ronta. So he he was told to get to the playoffs and, you know, when your boss or your owner tells you, this is where I want to be. Um, sometimes you got to take on contracts like Marion Hosa, who's on a long-term IR and is a, is a 5 million cap hit for another two years. So, um, in order to get those pieces in return. So it, you know, I don't want to blame Chica cause he has to do a job, but I mean, if you look at the state of it, you know, that's he captained the ship and, and the ship looks like it's in a 
it needs some repairs, and that was the last captain. So um, I hear you. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll we'll bring you back and, and talk a little bit more about the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and, and Colorado. But right now, I want to welcome in on the phone somewhere on the road between Prescott, Arizona, and uh, I believe Michigan is our uh, guest tonight, Charlie Watson, the uh, general manager of the Roller Team in St. Louis, the St. Louis Vipers. That Charlie and I had a chance to visit for the first time this weekend. And Charlie, first of all, welcome in. You got Scott and Zach. Zach, unfortunately, is only going to be able to hear you, but he will text me some questions, and we will go from there. Okay, great. Good to meet you guys. I'm actually in uh, a small town in Kansas, so uh, speed <laughs> uh, her up and uh, talking to you guys. All good. Well, fantastic. It was great seeing you this weekend uh, out in Prescott. So I want to start right there, uh, as I did on the Sunday special, talk to you about uh, the roller league and stuff. But uh, before we get to that, I want to talk about uh, your time in Prescott Valley, Arizona, and and working with the Arizona Sun Dogs, and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was uh, uh, back in 2011. Um, pretty much my history has been I've done everything in hockey, and one of the things I didn't do at the time was uh, really work in a front office. And I uh, actually applied for a position there um, and got hired. So I went out there and I you know studied the front office and then. You know, it's it's a new it's it's unique in in a sense that um, most people just go to a hockey game and watch it and, and you know you, you see the action. But you know behind the scenes, uh, especially in the front office, a lot goes on. Um, it's definitely not a nine to five job. Um, it was fantastic you know experience for me, and it really it really jump started my uh, my pro career in hockey. You know, Charlie uh, Zach Bondurant, my co-host tonight. And always on professional hockey Southwest Weekly, just loves the business side of it. Um, you two would get along great if we could put you guys together because he loves looking at the uh, the moves and making the dollars work uh, for different things. But you and I talked a little bit this weekend about just how difficult it is to uh, to, to to be a general manager or be an owner of a minor league hockey team, much less anything else. But Tell us a little bit about that and, and what it's like to make the numbers work and make the players fit and make them comfortable and all of those things. Yeah, it's, you know, there, there's an awful lot to it. Um, you know, just, just a few things that, that, you know, come to mind that, that is really a difficult task is that not only do we pay the players, but we have to house the players, uh, which is expensive. Um, travel, as we know, travel is, uh, you know, is an absolute killer in any sport, especially minor things. You know, you're pretty much busting and they're hoteling and um there's there's a lot to it uh it's not an easy position um you know general managers got you know the, the, the player trades and and you know the, the salary caps and, and travel but they also also have to oversee the entire operation for the owner um you know the owner is going to come right down on him or or her um when there's a problem and we have to have an answer and, and it's, uh, you, you know, you wear many hats as a general manager. In, 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 minor, in minor pro sports, you wear many hats anyways, but general manager is probably one of the toughest positions to uh, have, and um, you deal with it, you know, something every day, but it's, uh, it's exciting and it's fun as far as I'm concerned. Well, and, and that's the way it is uh, in, in whether it's ice or roller, and, and Zach's got a question for you. He wants to know a little bit about uh, how you got involved in the uh, – NRHL and uh, uh, how you see the league 
growing. You told me a little bit in the Sunday special about how it was going to happen, but our listeners tonight probably be really curious to know a little bit more about that league and, and where you see it growing from. Well, it was interesting. Um, you know, as we all know, hockey is a very small world. And, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's roller or if it's ice. If you know somebody in hockey, um, you know, they're going to reach out to you, uh, you know, and, and, and see where you're at, see what you're doing. And, and um, you know, Bobby Clawson, who, who heads up the league, um, you know, heard, heard that I was available. Not that, you know, not that I'm, I'm king by any means or anybody, <laughs> but, but he, uh, he called me up and we, and we talked. Um, I had heard, you know, through the grapevine, the league was starting up. Um, and it was kind of exciting because I knew uh, quite a bit about Roller back in the, back in the 80s and the 90s. Um, so it was something that uh, um, I kind of wanted to give it a shot, just to see, you know, just to see. And so, uh, you know, Bobby invited me up to, uh, up to Detroit. Um, we sat down and, um, you know, he said, he, he said, look, he said, we're in the process of selling the franchise in St. Louis. Um, but we need somebody down there to kind of oversee the operations, you know, as, as it's going right now. And, you know, would you, would you do that for us for the league? And I said, absolutely. So I went down to St. Louis, um, and I was there probably a week to 10 days. And, and, um, the, uh, the franchise was, you know, was uh, verbally committed to it, to a group down there. And so I literally, and it's, it's a, it's a crazy story, but I literally packed up my car. <laughs> and was heading back, and because I didn't know where I, where, I, where exactly where I stood with you know with the company, figuring they were going to bring in their own GM as most as most companies do. Um, but you know he called me up, and I, I was basically I was really I was in Chicago, and he called me up and he says, uh, "Did you come down?" And he said, "We like to talk to you about the position." And I just I said, "Okay, yeah, absolutely." So we're back down there and uh, um, had a real good chat with him and. You know, I, I can't see who it is right now because it's officially not all on the paperwork isn't signed. But um, I mean, I, it, it is a done deal. But we just you know, we got we got wait for the announcement. But so anyway, so I'm back down there. Um, had a great meeting. Um, met the coach, uh, very terrible. He's back. He actually played for the St. Louis Blues. He also played for the roller team in St. Louis that actually won the last championship in 1995. So, I mean, that's kind of how it all evolved, um, you know, and unfortunately with, uh, you know, with the COVID kicking in, um, it delayed our season. Um, but, you know, I, I think we're, we're, we're in the, we're heading in the right direction. There's, there's very, there's a huge group of people all over the United States right now. Um, I, you know, there's, there's six or eight for sure that want him to leak within a couple of years. Um, and so that's very exciting. And, and the, the vision for the league was to start out small, like we are, um, and then, you know, two or three years grow to maybe, you know, eight or ten teams. Um, it looks like we'll probably hit probably ten teams within a couple of years. But we'd like to get back to where the old pro uh, uh, league was, where they had, they had 30-some teams uh, nationwide. Um, but, again, you, know, if you, you, don't, you don't want to get too big, and, and, and there's a lot of – um, there's a lot of, you know, uh, bumps you gotta, you, you gotta come over, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll be in pretty good shape in five or six years down the road. You know, and you and I also talked about the, uh, the way you go about, uh, bringing it back, especially with COVID when you, you're going to come back out and you're looking for locations that are in the heart of the city where you can be more than just, uh, a, 
uh, a roller hockey game, you can actually be a part of the, the community and what's going on. And, and you told me a little bit about the, what the plans were for St. Louis. Is it, I think that's really cool and worth mentioning again. So tell me a little bit about the, uh, what a proposed 4th of July in St. Louis would look like. Well, one of the things that we would like to do, and, and the league is pretty much, you know, with it right now, or with us on this, is that our, our season basically is in May, June, July, and August with, with playoffs in September, August and September. So what we like to do is, is that, especially over the holiday of the 4th of July, um, we will have at least uh, two, possibly four games over the weekend. Um, but one of the things that it, it's unique about Roller is, is that, you know, the games aren't, won't be quite as long as, as a, you know, the NHL, but it's going to be family-oriented, um, and you come, you know, you come down to the rink, everybody's going to be tailgating, it's, it's going to be a big, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, it's, it's, you know, as we all know, in this business, it's the entertainment business, it's not just hockey per se. So, you know, we're going to have uh, all the teams in, in, in St. Louis um, playing each other, um, and, you know, that... It's it's not always about the dollar when you when you try to promote something like this. So we're going to have you know great deals on tickets. Maybe maybe a twenty dollar ticket gets you into the entire weekend. Um, all we want to do is, is is showcase the league, showcase what it's all about, and just make it a family fun atmosphere. Yeah, and I mean that's really what it's all about. And this weekend in Prescott, we saw that uh, from the grassroots level up. But the kids out there were having just a thrill of a lifetime being able to be out there with catfish and, and going through the things. And, and I asked you uh, on the show as well, I said, tell me a little bit about the differences and the, uh, and maybe the similarities. And, and we talked a little bit about some guys from the NHL that like to continue to roll or so uh, tell us a little bit about that again, too, if you would. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's, uh, being that we're in May, June, July, um, a lot of the American hockey league players and the NHL players, um, Usually go home and, and, and they work or you know, they, they find jobs somewhere somewhere along the line. And one of the things that is unique about us is that we can find these players. Which we had a we had a, a draft uh, last last summer. Um, drafted quite a few American Hockey League players and a couple of NHL players. And you know we're, we're not we're not trying to compete with the NHL because that's not what we're after. Um, and you know we if, if we can get a few guys to come in and play. Um, it only helps our league, you know. It only, it only helps it helps for the fan base. I mean, Grand Rapids, Michigan. They, they I, I believe, they drafted five or six uh, uh, Grand Rapids Griffin players, American Hockey League players. But the unique thing about this is, is that most NHL players, American Hockey League players, East Coast Hockey League players play roller in the summertime somewhere, and so it kind of translates. Back, back in the back in the the seventies, eighties, and nineties. I was talking to Barry about this, and most of the NHL guys in the summertime jumped on board with 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 uh, with pro roller back then because they're playing they're playing hockey. The only difference is is obviously it's ice ice and floor, wheels and blades. Everything else is pretty much the same. Rules are a little bit different, but the main thing, like 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 we talked about last weekend, was is you have to pass, you have to skate, you have to shoot. And it's all the same, you know. Um, so, and you kind of put the combination together. These these guys in the American League and the, the pro players, they have to stay in shape. Great way to stay in shape. Um, and it's uh, you know they enjoy it. And 
it's good for both sports because it's just going to help both, both sports grow. Okay, that's uh, that's fair enough. And uh, Zach had another question for you. He grew up playing roller hockey in California, and I'm going to see if I can uh, get this uh, out correctly for you here. Hold on one second, Charlie. Um, we do this technology thing, and sometimes I'm a little uh, not the best at it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Okay. Okay, so this is question This is question number two from Zach. He says he grew up playing roller hockey in California, and he wants to know how often you find players that have talent to play hockey but just don't have an ice sheet uh, to go to. So they play uh, to go and play, and the ice time is so expensive. So do you find a lot of players that, that are talented hockey players that use roller as a way to get the, their hockey fix, I guess? Absolutely, and and now California is starting to become a pretty prominent player in ice hockey too, because uh, there's a lot of development out there, as there is in Arizona. So, uh, if you can, just give us a little overview of how you see things changing from when you were with the uh, Sun Dogs to what Arizona looks like right now in the landscape of hockey players. You know, it's, it's interesting because you and I kind of talked a little bit about it, but. You know, I mean, it was it was definitely a sad day when when, when the Sundogs shut you know shut the program down, um, and you know the, the talk. And I was not there at the time, but I knew I knew what was going on just from you know not just from Catfish, but from other people in hockey. And and you know, so the economy wasn't good. Um, things were kind of on a downward trend there, and you know the Sundogs you know had nowhere to go. Um, but then slowly the economy started getting back. Um, and you know you got to benefit guys like 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 Catfish because you know he he's starting at the grassroots again back when he did back when he was there and started started 20 years ago there. And I see Arizona, um, you know, growing leaps and bounds. Um, obviously, you know, with with the biggest teams coming in on the ice on the ice end of it, and from what they've done just in the past two to three years, it's only going to help the Arizona programs, I think. Well, one of the things we have to do, and, and it's not just in Arizona, but it's, it's really all over, is we have to get back to the grassroots of everything. Um, you know, we're, as you know, in ice hockey, um, you lose about 75% of your kids after period, after period age. Right, they yeah. stop playing the game. And, you know, there, there, there's many factors, but one of the things we have to try to do, and it's not just a roller, it's ice as well, is, we have to keep the kids interested to grow the sport because if we grow the sport on the grassroots end of it, 
in youth hockey, it starts to expand again and, and, and explode again. It helps not just the National Roller Hockey League, but it helps the East Coast Hockey League, the American Hockey League, and the National Hockey League. It, it comes down to what, what we all talk about or don't talk about. It comes down to money. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you, you get everybody involved, and all of a sudden, everybody is benefiting from what you started with that three- and four-year-old skating. Okay, so final question for you, and I'll let you go because I know you're probably going to get some sleep if you're going to drive on again tomorrow. But um, when we talk, when we talk uh, about the future of hockey, I, want, I always ask my guests, if you could have that crystal ball in front of you, you could look maybe five, ten years down the road. I'm going to give you a two-parter to end this, Charlie. Uh, the first part is on, on ice hockey. Where do you think ice hockey is going to be uh, at the professional, amateur college, all of those things. How much growth do you think we'll see in the next five to ten years? And then part two of that is same question, but on the roller side of things. Well, I think, uh, you know, first off, not on the ice end of it, um, I think as long as the economy economy stays um, stays good, I think you're going to see both, both programs develop and get bigger. Um, and on the, on the ice end of it, you know, there's, uh, um, especially in Arizona, I mean, they're, they're building rinks all over in Arizona again. Um, they're doing the same, and they're doing the same in the south, all, all, all the way through the south. Um, Florida built a couple of new rinks this year. Um, you know, California is building some. And so if, if they continue to grow, they continue to have more ice and get more kids involved, and you know, one of the good things, too, is that USA Hockey does, um, has great programs where learn to skate and, and, and first to play and whatnot. They help out parents that can't, that can't afford, you know, the equipment. So sure. I think within the next five to ten years, you're going to see a tremendous growth in hockey. Then the roller end of it, um, it was like last weekend. I mean, you know, what Chad's doing over there, um, getting those kids involved, um, having these little camps, um, I think it's huge. I know, like, uh, I'll, I'll go, I'll go to, uh, to St. Louis, but, I mean, there's multi-rinks in St. Louis that have roller. Um, the youth program is, is starting to build again. Um, and we've got a great ambassador uh, in St. Louis, and, and I, I tell it to everybody because I brag about it. But, um, <laughs> Pat, Pat Maroon, who just won the Stanley Cup again with Tampa. <laughs> right started out playing roller hockey in St. Louis. And um, the, the, the Maroon family is, is, is very supportive of, of, of roller hockey in St. Louis. Um, the St. Louis Blues organization, the alumni, all sponsor multi-teams and, and, and rollers. So it's growing. It's going to get better. And it's, it's just going to be exciting in the next five to ten years. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I would tell you right now, Charlie, uh, I, I think – uh, you talk about this pandemic and all the bad things that have come from it, and they certainly have been a bunch of them, but some of the positive things that have come out of it are you look at the NHL and the way they came together to do the bubble. You look at, I mean, who would have thought that the uh, pandemic was going to bring the, the, the players union and the owners together and get them to sign a, 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 you know, a contract for years ahead. I mean, I just didn't think that was ever going to happen. So um, maybe things are starting to look up, uh, go in the right direction. And uh, I agree with you 100%. I think uh, the next five to 10 years, we're going to see growth in both of them. Can't wait to see roller hockey start to expand and get out here to the West. 
Thank you for spending time with me on the weekend. Thanks again for joining us tonight. Safe travels, my friend, and stay in touch, okay? All right, folks, that's Charlie Watson, uh, the uh, general manager of the St. Louis Vipers of the National Roller Hockey League. Um, Zach, just your thoughts on uh, on the comments of Charlie. I know you couldn't verbalize, but I did get your questions from him. Hopefully I got him out there the right way, but just your thoughts on Charlie. Yeah, no, I think it's pretty cool. Like I said, grow, like, growing up playing roller hockey in California, um, it's kind of cool to see the game growing, not only in the ice format, but also in roller. Um, because that was kind of the portion of my question is, um, I mean, where I lived in California, the ice sheets were, were, I mean, no traffic 25 minutes away, but we all know how California can get. So you might be looking at an hour <laughs> of commuting time just to get to an ice sheet. Um, and it just necessarily wasn't very feasible for my family. So I had stuck playing roller hockey and I had played all like up until I think I was maybe 22. Um, and then being in Michigan because uh, ice sheet time was so cheap up there, I switched to playing ice hockey for the three years I was up there. So, um, I mean, it's really cool to see him uh, being very active and growing the game. Not, like I said, not just on the on a sheet of ice, but also – um, on inline skates because I think it really is uh, it really does provide an outlet even even though it could be um, you know maybe not the most glorious glamorous professional career but it does provide kids an outlet to to um, to play a sport find that teamwork uh, learn what it is to be on a team learn discipline because um, I learned a lot playing all those years in roller hockey some of the best coaches that I could ever have had um, uh, Don D'Addazio shout out to him and, and coach Jim Cartwright. Those two were, were phenomenal uh, coaches that I had. So um, I think it's just important one to, to grow the game um, and give kids an opportunity to learn and, and be on a team. And I think he's doing an excellent job of that and maybe providing a professional outlet for those kids in the future. Yeah, absolutely. There was so much to talk about. I mean, I think we, uh, I spent an extra hour just talking to Charlie about different things uh, hockey-related, so it was a lot of fun uh, to, to dig into that. I'm glad he was able to join us tonight. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back, and let's talk about uh, the free agency part of the Vegas Golden Knights, and we'll follow that up with the, of course, Colorado Avalanche in about four minutes. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson band? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates. You can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. 
And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. Refine your prime with M-Drive. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit ease. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the Fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that Fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Looking for your next car? Head out to 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix and stop in at Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant. Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving, like the new E450 pickup truck during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by Ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at bellford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776 and let us show you why we've been the dealership that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year. All right, we're back. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host is Zach Bondurant from down in beautiful Chandler, Arizona. Zach, we just had a great guest on. Prior to that, we talked a little bit about free agency and the Arizona Coyotes. Time to jump into uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. And, of course, uh, Alex Petrangelo was the uh, the big fish that uh, was in this signing period, I guess. And the Vegas Golden Knights landed him. Your thoughts on the Golden Knights and free agency? Yeah, I mean, that was um... – we had talked last week on the podcast and they definitely feel like that is their, their piece that they are missing. 
um, to make their, their Stanley cup, uh, reality. Um, I think the other things that, that we can look at too, is them signing like uh, a Thomas Jerko, who will be a good depth player, played along uh, most of his time in Detroit, I believe. Um, he may have had a, a few other teams that he had gone around in, but I think that's going to add some speed to their, to their bottom six. Um, so I, I think it's another, another player to keep an eye on. Also today they had signed uh, Keegan Colser, which um, a young player, 23, that, that kind of continues that, uh, that future, um, that they, that they can bank on later on. Um, so I, I think all in all, I think they shored up what they needed to, um, they're still over the cap, so they're still going to somehow have to make some moves to, to, uh, to stay under. And I mean, if you look at it on paper, it looks like these, this is the team to beat, um, I had asked Danny last week on what he thought of the locker room atmosphere. Uh, that was the original locker room atmosphere when the so-called misfits and cast offs were had came, come together and made it to Stanley Cup finals as opposed to what it is now. Um, so I do not doubt Vegas's talent and their ability to, to win a cup. My, my questions come in more of the mental side of it. You know, those guys that you have, Marsha Show, Smith, and, and Carlson, um, are those guys uh, still thinking of that mentality of the cast-offs and something to prove? Or is this more of a, you know, maybe they don't have the faith in us like we thought they did? Um, that, that's a very, you know, extreme view um, but I would love to see the the mental aspect that they're coming to the locker room with and see that atmosphere that they're going to build. So, um, but regardless, I think Vegas is going to be a strong team. Um, I think it's, it's poised to have a uh, Vegas, Colorado Western conference final. Um, but uh, Dallas just made me look like a fool these last playoffs. So I'm definitely not <laughs> going to discount all them. of us. <laughs> yeah, definitely not going to discount them. So um, I think and Vancouver is going to be no slouch again. I don't believe. Uh, yeah, that's very true. the The one thing with Vancouver though is they they allowed a lot of guys to go to a rival uh, Canadian team, which is which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, so me too, me too. Uh, well, let me give you my two cents about the Vegas Golden Knights, and then we'll jump on to the Avalanche because they did some things as well to shore things up and make them even better. Um, what I think with the Vegas Golden Knights is you mentioned the locker room thing, and I think the transition has happened. I think the transition was this year, and I think uh, this year coming up, they're going to name a captain for the first time. I have a good feeling it's going to be Mark Stone. But you have a leadership core, and I talked about this last week or the week before, one of the two. Um, you have a leadership core on the offense where uh, Max Pacioretty, um, uh, Mark Stone, guys like that, um, raised the level of play for their forwards. And they took good care of Cody Glass. I know he stayed with the Pat, with Pacioretty for a while, and they kept him under his wing. And I'm sure they're going to do the other uh, youngsters the same way, like Peyton Krebs was there as well. Uh, so I think that's a good professional side. Uh, I think uh, Petrangelo, uh, over and over again on the media call, um, when he signed his, his contract, um, 
he was talking so much about Shea Theodore and how excited he was to come in and play with Shea and help Shea become better and help the other defensemen become better. Um, I still think they're one. I, I think if they could do something with McNabb and replace him with somebody else, I think that would make them a better team. I know a lot of people won't be happy with me for saying that, but I just don't know that he's a top caliber defenseman in the NHL. My thoughts. And then I think well, anytime yeah. you put, when you put $12 million into your goaltenders, um, doggone it, you better have the best goaltending tandem in hockey. For sure. Yeah. And I know you had said a lot of people won't like the, the Braden McNabb, but that also just kind of leads back to, you know, that's one of the OG players that they brought in. That's, that's one of the originals. So, yes. Um, yes. you know, you, I understand, I definitely understand that this team brought uh, a light to a really dark time for Vegas uh, with with that unfortunate shooting that had happened. And it was also kind of Vegas – it was like their pride. It was the first professional sports team they had in a very long time. Um, but I think something that maybe uh, – not trying to be a jerk, but maybe Vegas fans may have to learn is there's a business side to it. Um, and that's one thing I'm getting to with the Mark Andre Fleury. I understand that. I believe they kept him on for the business aspect. The fans love him, um, but I still don't see how you get under the cap <laughs> with keeping a team like you've got now. I don't see anybody on this roster that I want to move. Now, granted, nobody wants to move a, a team that went to the to the Western Conference Finals, a player off that team. But I don't see how you're going to do it without moving Mark Andre Fleury. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh um, I'll, I'll play do, devil, right? devil's advocate. Uh, I think one of those defensemen, and Braden McNabb, might be the guy. Uh, he might be the guy that gets moved in, moved out for a Jimmy Schultz or somebody like that. That's a a lot less. Um, how should I say it? Cap filling. Uh, so I think that's what's going to have to happen. I don't know if they want to move any of their forwards. I think they're pretty happy with their forward group. I don't see Mark Andre going anywhere this year just strictly because Bill Foley believes in the fact that with the condensed season, he needs two number ones. And uh, I believe his words were, if you have two number ones, why would you get rid of one to look for another one? So, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, just so that, to play that may be devil's the case. advocate, yeah, to play devil's advocate to your devil's advocate. I mean, Brain McNabby's got 2.5 <laughs> per year. I mean, right. holy smokes. And that's, I don't want to move anyone else off this off this defensive core because I think you just added the piece that really puts it over the top. So not right. arguing with you at all. I definitely think if you look at it, McNabb is is uh, the more than likely to move along with Nick Holden. That just allows you to free up another one point seven per year um, and, and bring in some some. some and keep uh, keep in mind, kids. You you've got one in Jimmy Schultz. You got another one in. Um... Uh, the name escapes me right now. Big, tall um, defenseman that's had his his shots with Vegas. So they have two in the wings that uh, would come in at the league minimum, basically, uh, for this year. And uh, yeah. they could be they could get very good under the uh, constant teaching of uh, Petrangelo. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But there are options. Well, final thing on Vegas, and it's really not Vegas; it's Henderson. I think you and I are going to be thrilled with what we get to cover in Henderson this year, assuming that we get media in, and I think we will, um, that, that that team in Henderson could win the AHL. Oh, yeah. I have That's no doubt. They are on paper. 
Yeah, you look at him. I mean, even if you don't have, and are you talking about Nicholas Haig? Is that what the defense? Yeah, Nick Nick Haig. Yeah, Nick Haig is who I was talking about. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the guys who may have a shot, I mean, we talk about Krebs, Dugan, and Glass. I I don't know if if you're going to have a spot for all those, like both all three of those guys. So you you got to think one of them. I mean, and all three of them, they're just sticks and. C4 waiting to go off in the NHL. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really good team in Henderson. And, yeah, I, I mean, you you know from our – I think our daily conversations of just get me in somewhere <laughs> to shoot. I want to shoot some photos. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited, and I think Henderson's going to be an excellent organization. Okay, so let's jump in the last eight to ten minutes or so here, and let's talk uh, Colorado Avalanche. I know that you are – uh, well-versed in the avalanche. I'm becoming more and more well-versed because uh, I follow them now that they're in our uh, coverage area much, much closer than I did. But uh, I just like to see what they continue to do. And I just don't know how they continue to do it to get quality players, number of quality players, and stay so far under the cap. Yeah, I mean, and and – Joe, Joe Sackick Scott, he continues his illustrious NHL career in the front office because, um, I mean, they're still, if you look at the NHL right now, they're below the halfway mark of, of most money spent, um, which is insane considering the lineup they have. Uh, they ad- added Brandon Sod, which I think is going to be a really, uh, I think he's going to help on the second line. Um, I think he... he I think the big thing Sod comes with is a lot of Stanley Cup experience. Um, that was a trade that had happened, but they did just sign Tyson Jost, who I think they're going to definitely slot in on the third line, maybe some power play time. Um, the thing that's so crazy is you look at this third line, Jost, Comfer, and Burakovsky, and Burakovsky I think was was – was one of their best wingers last year, minus Rantanen. Rantanen was a monster. Um, and Donskoy was a under-the-radar signing that turned out to be huge. Um, so he just continues to find these moves. And then acquiring Devin Taves, um, I mean, you just look up and down the <laughs> roster. I'm, and still, Hunter I'm still laughing at Devin. Yeah, I'm still laughing at Devin Taves, and you were going like, Oh, this Devin Davis guy is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I had to do my research, and I was like, oh, oh well, okay. I'll, Joe Sackick definitely knows what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, he definitely found a, a really strong defensive, uh, offensive-minded player. And, I mean, um, the one thing I think uh, that Vegas, that the way they're approaching the, the next season is uh, thinking ahead with that condensed schedule by having Fleury and Leonard. Uh, you've got two number ones. So you really can't go wrong. And honestly, on paper, that's where it seems to be Colorado is lacking the most. Um, however, um, I think it's I think it's a decent goalie tandem. But I, just in case, Joe Sackick did sign Hunter Miska, which um, is is kind of near and dear or has not, – not near and dear, but has a lot of uh, weird connections with what we do in the sense that – uh, he played for the Dubuque, uh, the Dubuque junior team, which there's a Dubuque pipeline just going right to ASU, <laughs> uh, which you and Paul will talk tomorrow. And then uh, University of Minnesota Duluth, and we all know you're you're a passionate UMD <laughs> alumni. 
Um, and then he got his his, his first uh, pro contract with uh, Tucson Roadrunners and the Arizona Coyotes organization. And then uh, Colorado, made his way to Colorado, and now is up there. So this is a guy I think we definitely need to have on the podcast considering he's been everywhere that we pretty much cover. So uh, I'm excited. Um, I love the I love the undrafted uh, the undrafted um, name tag that he's got on him. Um, I think that gives a chip on his shoulder, and he wants to show what he can do. And uh, I'm excited uh, to see if he gets an opportunity, to really kick in the door that he was able to to put his foot in last year. Yeah, I think he's grown an awful lot as a player. He was a very solid player uh, at University of Minnesota Duluth and led them. Uh, to some unbelievable seasons. And, and when he came here, he he was kind of blocked in the Coyotes system because they had Ronta, they got Kemper, they got Aiden Hill, they got Prostovov. So he didn't really get yeah. uh, the opportunity that he probably should have gotten here. And I think in Colorado uh, with the Eagles, he's getting that opportunity to be the number one and to, to, to play a lot of hockey and, and really hone his game. And, and I think you see how much they think of him when they brought him to uh, – to the bubble after the injury to uh, whom I think him, um, the goaltender, the Avalanche um, Grubauer. Grubauer, yes, the yeah. uh, the injury to Grubauer. And then Francis Francis went down, and then they had Hutch. Yep, and then yep. they had uh, they had Mishka dressed as the backup. Yeah, so I think that tells you just how much they they think of his future, and by signing him again to another two year deal that he for him, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a two year okay. for him. Okay, so I, I think we have a, a good feel for what Colorado is going to bring. I agree with you. I think it's going to be a dogfight for the next couple of years between uh, Vegas and Colorado to, to win the West. Uh, I, not taking away anything from the other teams, I just think that when you put it all together, uh, at least on paper, and of course you don't play games on paper, so we all know they have to stay True. healthy and all of that. But, Thanks. Uh, Thanks for reminding yeah. that uh, of, the, of that for us, Dallas. <laughs> right <laughs> exactly uh and, and even st louis the year before i mean who would have thought they would have come from last place at the first of the year to win the stanley cup so i mean you know Absolutely. anything can happen in the nhl and in hockey really in general but i do since this is professional hockey and since we do have uh, a few professionals from the uh the uh, arizona state sun devils just to uh, update people on what's going on there uh, you keep close track of joey decord what did Joey do recently or today? Yeah, um, Joey, that's my dude. Um, he signed a uh, another three years with Ottawa, and I think the really cool part is that third year is a one-way uh, stipulation. So it, it would lead me to believe that Ottawa has a lot of faith in in him and, and his development, and they pro- they're projecting him to to potentially be an NHL player. Uh, come that third year and I'm excited I mean I, I've seen what he can what he can do at the college level um, and I, I can't wait for for the opportunity to maybe shoot him for um, shoot some photos of him I'll clarify that <laughs> shoot some photos of him uh, in the pro ranks because uh, that's my dude I mean you, you can't find a player who can be that uh, that third defenseman on the rink and play the way um play the puck the way he does. So, uh, yeah, I, that's definitely – I wasn't going to let that go untouched, so I'm glad you brought it up. But, yeah, an ASU player uh, repping the, the Southwest and the pros and, and making some noise. Well, and also, uh, you know, the uh, San Jose Sharks 
and the San Jose Barracuda have a couple of Pashniks. Uh, we think that yep. uh, there's a really good shot that uh, Brinson Pashnik might get uh, onto the opening night roster for the uh, Sharks. And, of course, we know uh, his brother, uh, Steen, is going to be playing with the, uh, the Barracuda to start. And, of course, we have an ECHL yeah. player and Tyler uh, uh, Bush, who's going to be over in yep. Cincinnati. So, I mean, there's a lot of players. We've got Josh Maniscalco, who's got a shot to get on the, the Penguins National Hockey League roster this year. So lots of good things happen in the Southwest. Uh, we're going to look forward to the next step, though, Zach, and that's uh, getting a schedule out and getting some firmed-in uh, stuff on the professional side as well as the college side as well. So another great show, another great way to, uh, to talk hockey in the middle of a pandemic. So I'll let you take it away on the read, and we'll say uh, good night uh, with uh, – Roger Klein and the Peacemakers and De Niro. All right. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Voted, the best Ford dealer in Arizona. Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant, is presenting partner of the Sunday Special. Ask to see our friend Kevin Wood. Tell him Ice Time Hockey SW sent you to see the top-selling line of Ford trucks and more. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. Our dining room, in accordance with CDC guidelines, are open in all 12 Valley locations and in California. Visit coldbeers.com for more information. T-Mobile, see Andre in the Paradise Valley store at Shea and Tatum and let him show you the power of the new T-Mobile. Whether it's playoff time or any time, it's always time for the best barbecue in Las Vegas. Call Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 1-702-541-5546 or go to jessieraysbarbecue.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, it's all about the butt. Buy Summer Skates, our line of shower shoes can show off your fandom or any team with the unity of custom designs. Visit summerskates.com. Behind the mask, it's time to get back to hockey. For all your hockey needs, visit any of our three Valley locations or go to BehindTheMask.com. Buy College Bar and Grill in Tempe. Buy ASU fans for ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena, home of the Devil's Hockey Shop for all your ASU hockey merchandise. Roger Klein's Cancio and Tequila. Find your bottle that suits your taste. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com. Buy OxyPow. Visit our full line of natural selling cleaning products at OxyPow.com. Buy M-Drive. Go to mdriveformen.com. Use promo code ICETIMESW at checkout for 20% off. M-Drive for energy, stamina, and recovery. Buy ICETAN, Scottsdale, and Chandler. See our website for ice availability. Pro Hockey Southwest Weekly and all our Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IceTimeSW.com network. All right. Well done, my friend. Uh, we will say thank you to Charlie Watson for joining us on the road as he uh, makes his way back to Michigan from Prescott. Nice to talk to the general manager of the St. Louis Vipers of the National Roller Hockey League. Uh, Zach, thanks for bringing it as always. Uh, next week, we will uh, fire you up with another you know, great guest. Hopefully, somebody that will shock you uh, coming on <laughs> coming on board with us next week. So for now, we'll say goodnight from uh, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly with a little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers and De Niro. <laughs>